Welcome to the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small, coming at you with a solo episode, uh, at least for the first half today. Uh, Chip's not feeling well this week, and Matt had some scheduling conflicts, so I'm taking the reins solo here. Going to do some Hawks takeaways from that win, huge, huge win, maybe the best win of the year so far for these Knicks. Uh, We'll do three takeaways there. Then I'm going to get into a little bit of a preview with the Heat. We'll just talk about them. Uh, won't get too deep into it because the big part of our show today is we have Kane Pittman, the host of Locked On Bucks, a uh, great writer, uh, an Australian who does a really good job covering the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, he's actually coming over to the States to start covering the Bucks again this season, uh, but I'll let him tell us more about all that later. Uh, so first, let's get going. My three takeaways from the Hawks game, the first was the young players all playing well. I think you can specifically point out R.J. Barrett uh, as the first one pretty much from the group. He went 10 for 13 from the floor, 2 for 3 from 3. He had 6 rebounds, an assist, a steal. I mean, 27 points. The one thing, 5 for 8 from the free throw line, but... You know, it is what it is when you have everything else going. Uh, you know, you can live with a couple missed free throws there. And he even mentioned that in his post-game comments. You know, he, he said that was something that he was a little upset with, uh, which is good. I mean, you know, so far so good with Barrett. I know he's having some ups and downs. But these are the kind of games that make you you think, you know, kind of what he can become and where's his ceiling at. Um, and then we'll move on to Mitchell Robinson, another guy who's starting to really play well now. He's 9 of 13 from the floor. Four for four on his free throws, 13 boards, I mean, two blocks, 22 points. He was just, he was all over the place. It was, it was maybe his best game of the year so far, just making an impact on both ends of the floor. Uh, you know, I think Mike Miller definitely seems to be tapping into something with this Knicks team. Offensively, they're much, much better in the last six games. Uh, whether or not that has, you know, it's because Mike Miller's making these big changes or just these little tweaks. I tend to think it's a little more of the uh, the tweaks here and there, but guys are responding to it. You, the proof is in the pudding. Kevin Knox, another guy, shot 7 for 14 from the floor, 17 points. I mean, 7 for 14, it's not as good as, you know, Barrett and Robinson shot, but Knox looked confident. Uh, he looked, you know, just really, really super comfortable out there. Even uh, Lloyd Pierce, you know, he talked about Kevin Robinson, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, Kevin Robinson. He talked about Kevin Knox, Lloyd Pierce, the head coach of the Hawks. Um, he couldn't say enough about him. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., you know, he really was talking about these young guys who are, who are starting to look good here. And for the Knicks, they're really, there's, you can't point out anyone on the team who had a bad game. It was just, this was a, a blowout from start to finish. Uh, and that moves me on to takeaway two. Trey Young is very good, but the Hawks are very bad. Uh, just the defense was non-existent. Guys just, you know, driving into the paint with just no one coming to help. Uh, they gave up on a few plays. I mean, I don't want to hammer Trey Young too hard because I understand it's a tough situation. But you know, makes a turnover. He's not hustling back on defense. You know, it's easy to notice that kind of stuff uh, happening to a team that's really, really struggling. Uh, they kind of look like the Knicks did 
a few weeks ago, you know, those 40 point, 37 point losses, you know, back to back, the Hawks kind of looked that type of bad. Um, I mean, Trey Young, the difference there being is no one on the Knicks is really playing that well. Trey Young is, you know, he's, he's an exceptional point guard. Uh, dropped 42 on the Knicks, you know, eight, eight assists, four rebounds. Uh, you know, you can, he just, he does things on the court that just completely wow you. Uh, some of the passes he makes, just the confidence he has in himself. But that being said, I mean, he's playing garbage time pretty much from, you know, the middle of the second quarter on. Uh, I'm not accusing him of, you know, stat chasing or anything like that, but it's kind of easy to rack up stats when you're, you know, your team is just getting slaughtered like that. And the other thing is that so noticeable when you watch the Hawks, you know, even a couple times, it's just they're, they're not, they're missing that backup point guard who can, who can really, you know, take charge when Trey Young is off the floor. As soon as Young left the floor the first, uh, for the first time the other day, it was just, you know, the Knicks took advantage of it. And that's, you know, that's why he had to play 41 minutes in, you know, a 23 point loss because they don't, they don't have, you know, the backup point guard who can really kind of take those minutes. I know they've been experimenting with a few guys. I know uh, Kevin Herter was playing there a little bit in the beginning of the year. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that experiment is going to work out. Um, but yeah, they, I think they, they need a point, a backup point guard to just take some of the pressure off of Trey Young because he's, he's legit, but you know, they're just, they're in a tough spot right now. And then my third takeaway from the game is just Vince Carter, the OG, got to give him, got to give him some love. His last game in Madison Square Garden, uh, of course, the 42 year old is retiring at the end of the season. Um, and the Hawks are hosting the Knicks twice this year, only coming to MSG once. So it was pretty cool. I was in the building for Vince Carter's last game. Again, it was kind of, you know, a, a crappy game for, you know, the Legends last game. But, you know, that's the way it goes. He got a good uh he got a good standing ovation coming in and out. Uh, you know, they really the New York fans did a good job, you know, really um honoring or I guess I don't know, it feels too formal to say they were honoring him but you know they they sent him out right you know they gave him the proper due for you know kind of his status in the in the league um and what Vince Carter said specifically about RJ Barrett because they're you know they're they're pretty close uh Vince Carter knows RJ Barrett's father Rowan um but his quote on RJ Barrett after the game he said I just try to help all the young guys and give them as many gems and drops of knowledge to them if they ask I just want to see all these guys succeed this is a great opportunity. The NBA provides a lot of opportunities for us to fulfill dreams each year. I had a chance to sit with RJ this summer. I know his dad very well. I just told him I'm always available, as I've told many guys throughout the years. That's what I enjoy doing is seeing guys succeed. So for Knicks fans, pretty cool there. You know, that, that connection between Carter and Barrett. Obviously, there's that Toronto connection with Vince Carter really, you know, making his way in the league up there and, you know, Barrett being from the city. Uh, so that's a cool little connection there. Um, and you know, just seeing Vince Carter, his last season, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to, uh, witness his last game in Madison Square Garden. So moving on to a quick little heat stuff. Uh, most of the pod today is just going to be that, that interview with, um, with Kane on the Bucks. So I'm not going to go too crazy with some of the heat stuff here. Um, but one of the things I think it's important to look at, uh, is the heat. Right now, a lot of their success is coming from 
these diamonds in the rough. You got Kendrick Nunn, you know, a guy who'd spent time in the G League, who he's he's having a really good year, like kind of in the conversation for Rookie of the Year right now. Then you have another guy, Duncan Robinson, who I'm sure if you've, you've heard anything about him, you know, his story from going from a D3 player to Michigan to, you know, now pretty much just tearing up the league with three-point shooting. Uh, Bam Adebayo, he's another one who's taking a step forward. Uh, not exactly unknown like those other two guys, you know, Bam coming in first-round pick. You know, I think they've they've always kind of had high hopes for him. But year three, he's really taking that leap forward in that conversation for most improved player this year. Um, kind of, you know, he's been compared to Mitch in the past, uh, which I think right now, if you're comparing the two of them, and Jared Allen, he always gets thrown in that conversation as well. But if you're comparing Mitch and Bam right now, I think Bam is the one taking that bigger step. Um, but again, you know, Bam's been in the league for, uh, you know, a year longer. You know, Mitch is still on a, a good track, and we saw that um, in the Hawks game. I think seeing those two guys, if they get a chance to cover each other and go at each other for an extended period of time, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But Bam plays a lot of four, so I don't know if we're going to get that 1v1 matchup that uh, that we're kind of looking for. Um, but it'll it'll just be interesting. The, the Heat. I haven't even mentioned Jimmy Butler because I'm sure everybody knows enough about Jimmy Butler already. I mean, he's a star, kind of you know this abrasive guy who didn't quite fit, fit in in a couple places he's been. But it seems like he's fitting in in that Heat culture now. Seems like he's really just kind of blossoming into. I mean, he's always been a star. I mean, the, the couple of those those years or what was it year plus in Minnesota, he was fantastic there. I mean, you, we know he's a star. But it's it's cool to watch him, you know, kind of lead a team that's, you know, if we're being honest, they're a contender in the Eastern Conference right now. They might need a trade. They might need, you know, something to break right for them in the in the playoffs. But I think you could definitely say right now they're playing well enough to be considered, you know, a, a potential NBA Finals team. Uh, if you know, depending on what happens uh, with if Milwaukee can keep up this streak, which we'll get into all that stuff later. And there's Philly, Boston. There's a lot of good teams in there. Uh, Indy, when they get Oladipo back, there's a lot of good teams in the East. But I think, you know, kind of one to six, and including Miami in that six, they're, they're, they have legitimate, you know, legitimate goals in the East to win it, win it and go to the finals. Um, obviously, you know, de- December, it's too early to know for sure. But... It is what it is. The Heat, you can't you can't argue with how they're playing right now. And the last thing, just before I let it let us take it to the interview with Kane, is I'll just mention that the Heat are savages at home. They they have one loss, and that loss came to the Los Angeles Lakers, who might be the best team in basketball right now, kind of up there in that conversation with with Milwaukee right now. Uh, the Lakers are just they're they're legit and. You know the Knicks is going to be a tough test for them to go into Miami and try and try and win in Miami against one of the team one of the hottest teams in the league right now. Uh, it's we'll see we'll see if this Mike Miller stuff is for real because Knicks look pretty good right now, but they could be staring at a at a blowout in Miami. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And with that, I will let us let myself take us away to the next segment. All right, welcome back to the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm here with a special guest today. We have Kane Pittman, the host of Locked On Bucks, uh, just a tremendous Bucks writer, a guy you should definitely be following on Twitter, definitely should be reading, listening to. 
Uh, we'll let you plug all your stuff uh, in a little bit here. <laughs> but let's just jump right into this, um, into some of this Bucks stuff. Because obviously, Bucks are coming off an 18-game winning streak where they looked fantastic. Knicks fans saw at least one of those wins, uh, which was pretty, pretty brutal in, uh, in Milwaukee a couple weeks ago. Uh, but Kane, let's just start out. Obviously, the Bucks are rolling right now. What is the, you know, what is really, what's going on with them? Why are they dominating teams so much? Because obviously Giannis is the, the answer or the, uh, the obvious or like answer to that question. But is there something more than just that? Or is it just really Giannis is just completely dominating so far this year? Well, I, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. And, and obviously, when you have a guy like Giannis, an MVP, but you know probably the MVP front runner right now, mm-hmm. he's averaging 31 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, and you only need him for 31 minutes a night. It tells you that they're, you know, that they're in a pretty good uh, spot as a team. But I think the second thing is that's kind of underrated about the Bucks is the fact that this is year two under Mark Budenholzer, and and while they won 60 games last year, and and obviously they had a a longer playoff run than than this franchise has had in a long time. Uh, they've come into this season rolling, and there wasn't too many uh, major changes. I mean, obviously, the, the most publicized one is you lose Malcolm Brogdon, but you have a guy like Wes Matthews. He's been around the league a long time. You can plug him in pretty easily. He's been, he's actually uh, played really well of late during the, during the winning streak in particular. Uh, so Wes Matthews has been a nice fit. And then the guys like Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, these guys have played together for a full season now, and uh, I think you're really seeing the benefit of that. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously there's more to it than it's just, oh, Giannis is incredible. But, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you know, Giannis has kind of, like, taken over. But I like I like the point you make about, you know, Budenholzer taking over, you know, a second year in his system and everything. And obviously Knicks fans know, you know, Budenholzer was one of the, uh, one of the last guys in the running yeah. for the head coaching job a couple of years ago. And, I mean, they went with Fizz and then the, the Bucks go with, with Budenholzer and, Obviously, things uh, things have gone a little differently for those two franchises since then. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask about the loss the other day because obviously everyone's thinking coming into you know the Lakers game, these both of these teams are gonna be riding these big winning streaks, but they both lose right before it. Uh, what happened in that Dallas game? Obviously, you know you see some of the Kristaps Porzingis uh, threes at the end, but what was uh, what was the story with that game? Well. I think, firstly, you do have to give credit to Dallas. I mean, obviously, they didn't have Luka Doncic. And I, mm. I, I think, on paper, you look at that and you're like, okay, well, there's no Doncic. This is going to be a win for the Bucks. But uh, they are the number one offense in the league. And outside of Doncic, they have a bunch of guys that can hurt you. And I, I do think that the Mavericks actually, uh, their guard rotation is pretty deep. Even even uh, without Doncic, they, they can plug in a guy like Jalen Brunson, who played really, really well. Seth Curry obviously had 26 points. Uh, and DeLon Wright, there's another guy who came on. He was mm-hmm. five for six. He had 13 points. So uh, I don't want to, it's, it's kind of hard to, to say, well, you know, they, they plug these guys in without missing Doncic. Clearly they missed him, but I think that their underrated, uh, guard rotation co- combined with the fact that the Bucks also, uh, were missing Eric Bledsoe, I think played a big factor because, uh, off the dribble, those guards really, really hurt the Bucks, uh, who we know to that point, number one ranked defense in the league but i think you really saw that for those guards brunson and seth curry in particular it was too easy for them to get into the paint and then uh cause problems uh for the bucks defense and then 
yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. The Pozingas win the game. You thought that the Bucks were just going to roll over them uh, late in the third, early in the fourth quarter. He hit a couple of uh, really, really deep threes yeah. in a row, and that sort of just steadied the ship for the Mavericks. But they're a good team. They are a good team. But for the Bucks, I think a little bit of adjustment period without Bledsoe is going to be expected. He was uh, first-team all-defense last year, and while everyone focuses on what uh, he has or hasn't done in the playoffs defensively, uh, he's still late, and I think it, it will take a little bit of time for the Bucks to get used to not playing with him. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point you make about the um, the Dallas guards there. Kind of Brunson comes in, you know, four for nine from the field, eleven assists. You know, he just really kind of steps in. Obviously, it's impossible to to match or you know kind of put out the same type of uh, you know production <laughs> as Doncic. Like I, that's no one expects that. But it's kind. It kind of felt like that game, at least with Dallas. It was everyone else picking up a little bit of the load. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know on Milwaukee side if there was, you know, a letdown game. You're looking ahead at the Lakers, but the, things like that are always kind of. Uh, you you think about that after the fact. Um, and then just something I I wanted to touch on was just kind of the weird. This was the Chris Porzingis. This was his first game against the Bucks since yeah. that that uh you know the the acl injury you know a couple of years ago uh he looked good obviously he he's been kind of up and down so far this year but it's just i, I always think about it the bucks and the knicks have this weird connection we mentioned you know the coaches they they went for they went for fisdale instead of budenholzer then you have the Kristaps porzingis injury um you know it's just been some weird i feel like there's been some weird games between these two teams over the last few years and just some weird connections there yeah, and I, th- I think most of the, the, the people that are listening to this will probably remember this game. When Porzingis hit those two deep threes, it reminded me of that. I can't, I can't remember exactly when it was, but there was a Bucks knicks game on ESPN a few seasons ago where Porzingis, I think he had 30 points or something like that. The Knicks beat the Bucks at home. I don't think they were expected to, but at that point, the, that sort of rivalry between Giannis and Porzingis was really building to be something special, and clearly the, the injury has hurt him. But yeah, I mean, he's still a strange player. I mean, you guys would know uh, as well as anyone that there was a couple of possessions in that game where he had uh, George Hill in a post up and he passed the ball out of it. It was a one-on-one and he still didn't <laughs> use that his mm. size and physicality. And then there was another one with uh, Chris Middleton where he passed the ball out of the post up situation. I don't know, man. He's, he's a strange player. He certainly stepped up and if he's hitting the threes, it's great. But uh, I think... You know, you do have to be aware that he's still coming back from that injury, and that's going to be a, a you know, mentally more than anything, it's going to be a tough one to come back from because when you think of the way that he did that, being physical and getting to the rim, but you know, he's a strange player, man. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah, I, I, I've always, I mean, that's been a thing with him for a long time now. Kind of, you know, he gets a, a smaller guy in the post, passes it out, or sometimes like it just seems like he doesn't have a, a feel for you know the right yeah. play in the right situation sometimes. Uh, I almost, you know, sometimes you wish Doncic could give Porzingis like a little bit of his like feel for the game or something like that. Because um, Porzingis sometimes he, he just puts his head down, barrels into two guys, things like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was cool to see the two, you know, the two European guys, Porzingis and, and yeah. Giannis going against each other again, because they did have that that weird history. Uh, but I'll transition a little bit over to Giannis here. You, you mentioned it earlier, but so Giannis right now, you, you have him tops in your MVP. I think, at, at least for me, that's now with the Doncic injury. I think it's it's for sure Giannis. 
I think so. I mean, you could probably make an argument for for Doncic if if he comes back and still plays at mm-hmm. the same level. Um, there is some talk that the injury is going to be even uh, less severe than that they first said. Which you know, I mean, if he misses less than uh, or uh, fewer than two weeks, then that really uh, you know he's right in the conversation still. I, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> I think the problem, and and you sort of touched on it, the Bucks uh, have the Lakers coming up here, but uh, I, I just I find it hard to see how one of LeBron or AD can really force their way into that conversation, considering they're playing on the same team, both having incredible seasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know how. I don't know. It's tough because while all the talk is about LeBron, I'm kind of looking at AD and saying, well, I mean, he's having a hell of a season. He's putting up huge numbers. He may be uh, the defensive player of the year. So. Is he having a better season than LeBron? Maybe, but that's not that's not the conversation. So I don't know. Yeah, right now I probably got Giannis ahead of Doncic, and obviously, I mean, Harden's in the conversation. But Houston uh, look like uh, probably to the surprise of no one, like they've got some some issues with that roster that they might look to to try and fix up. Yeah, I think definitely. You know, Harden he, he's always in the conversation now, but I think like just the fact that the Bucks are, you know, rolling right now. Yeah. And like you said, the other team, you know, that would have one of those, you know, MVP candidates on it, you know, the Lakers are rolling too. But like you said, you know, I think AD and LeBron are somehow going to siphon votes off from each other. And I think that plays up to uh, Giannis's advantage. But obviously this is way, you know, it's so early in the yeah. season, a lot can change. But yeah, I think I'm with you on Giannis right now, leader in the clubhouse with the MVP. Uh, transition a little bit to uh, some other big picture stuff here with the Bucks. Obviously, you know, we're talking about, you know, basically talking them up here at this 18 game win streak, Giannis MVP. Do you think that they are the, the easy favorite to come out of the East right now? Or do you think there's, you know, a team out there that kind of scares you for matching up in the, in the postseason? Um, I'm not sure if there's a team matchup wise that specifically would would scare uh, Milwaukee. I think Philadelphia clearly is is the team that in the preseason uh, was seen as the the front runner with the Bucks. I, I think that matchup though is one that I, I thought last season, even when they did have a guy like JJ Redick on the roster, I thought that the the matchup suits Milwaukee purely because the Bucks defend the paint so well. They give up fewer points in the paint than any other team. And when you think about the Sixers and how big they've got mm-hmm. and, and how that limits Ben Simmons offensively, Simmons has not had a, had a good game against Milwaukee since he came in the league, really, because he, he can't score. Like, there's there's just no way for him to score against this Bucks defense because we know he refuses to, to shoot outside the paint, uh, even though uh, he hit a three or two. But uh, <laughs> the matchup the is... Knicks. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But it's just a good matchup for the Bucks, And even Embiid... He's turned into a three-point shooter against Milwaukee. He averaged 10 three-point attempts a game against the Bucks last season. And, you know, if you've got Embiid out there shooting 10 threes a game, I think you feel pretty good about that. So while the defense is scary, I do like that matchup for the Bucks. But the Celtics look really good. And uh, they're a team to watch out for. I, I think the big thing is that it's too early to say whether the Bucks are the clear front runner because we don't know what's going to happen at the trade deadline. And we saw last year the Raptors made a... Pretty big move to get Marcus Gasol, and that ended up helping them win a championship. So uh, I think right now, as it stands, yeah, I like the Bucks, but things can change pretty quickly. Yeah, obviously, you know, trades trades can happen, and you know, things things like that can shake things up. But um, yeah, the the Sixers are up there too. You know, the Celtics obviously they they look pretty good too. But uh, I I think the Bucks right now, obviously, are, it's too early. But uh, 
but they're they're looking good. Um, yeah, I guess transition a little bit. Well, I I didn't want to spend too much time on the the Knicks Bucks here because after what happened last time, I would think it's going to be a little bit closer than last time. You know, the Knicks new coach kind of so. playing with a little little more of an edge right now. But I still, if if I was a betting man, I would definitely take Milwaukee going into Saturday. Uh, but is there anything anything different there? I know with Bledsoe's injury, is there anything different you see coming into this one that might might make the Milwaukee a little bit tense going into this one? Well, I think the big thing with the with the Knicks when you look back to that last game, I mean, they just didn't look like a team that was interested in playing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. clearly for the last two or three weeks of that uh, Fisdale's uh, time in New York, everyone knew that he was going to get fired at some point. And I, I think that as those uh, losses started to mount, I think that you could see. And, and the Knicks are kind of a weird team because, yes, they've got some young players, but they've also got a bunch of veterans out there that look like they were just like, we don't want to be here. This sucks. I'm not interested in playing. Mm-hmm. And when you come up against a guy like Giannis that doesn't really take a night off and he looks at you and he's like, yeah, I'm going to come straight at you. I'm going to dunk on you all night long. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know if I'm up for this. And that's what it felt like watching that game. So, look, I do think that they, they are playing a little bit better since they uh, brought in, obviously, Mike Miller. And, and they they look a little bit more interested. And I, I saw Morris after the game last night was talking playoffs. I think that's... Um, <laughs> First of all, I don't think he's going to be with the Knicks to even if if they uh, were to to make that run. But look, they're they're saying the right things. They're they're playing a little bit harder, and I would agree. I, I think this game's going to be a lot closer than it was last time. Anyway, yeah, they definitely definitely they're riding some momentum. And those I, I was in the locker room when Marcus Morris was talking about <laughs> playoffs, and you know you kind of roll I mean, you your eyes. To. But but yeah, I mean you think about it from his perspective, that's yeah. that's what you that's what you want the guys to be saying, you know, like you want confidence. Um but yeah, obviously you roll your eyes a little bit at it. Uh But yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're just a different team under Mike Miller. I don't know there there seems to be at least from my perspective, there seems to be a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon of oh, he was, you know, he's the answer. He was so much better than, you know, Fizdale, which we'll see. 6 games is only 6 games. But there's definitely, you know, a different effort level and enthusiasm. Uh, whether or not they wanted Fisdale gone and they, you know, they didn't want him as their coach anymore, there's de- they definitely got the picture. They got the message from uh, from the front office at least. So we'll see. I, I still, again, going into this weekend, I still would uh, would bet on Milwaukee if if I was a betting man. But hopefully, we'll see a little bit closer of a game because, uh, you know, the the second quarter blowouts were getting old there for the Knicks for a while. Yeah, well, I I, I think you were at that game last year where the Knicks beat the, the Bucks, right? We, we were both yeah. there. Oh, and... yeah. Yeah, that was that was one, like maybe the best game of the year for the Knicks last year. Weird things happen, man. And, and I, you know, this is why I think just to, to get back to the streak for the Bucks, that's why it was so uh, remarkable what they did. And, and anyone that was sort of discrediting that, it's like, come on, like there's, there's a reason that this doesn't happen because things happen. And you look at, uh, when you go back to that game for the Bucks, they outside of uh, Kyle Korver, they shot six for 34 from three. And that happens. Like this, this is what happens in the NBA. So over the course of 18 games to not have that uh, letdown. So yeah, I, I mean, the, the Knicks have enough players that, that they can beat teams. Like they can just do that. We saw in, in the win the other day, uh, Barrett looked great. And I, I think that's the interesting thing about the Knicks. They have a, that, uh, that 
mix of young guys that you want to see play and develop and get minutes and play through the mistakes. And if the young guys make mistakes and you lose, then that's totally fine. But I think that's where, or I certainly felt from an outside perspective, that's where some of the frustration was when you have a guy like Kevin Knox not playing at all. It's like, okay, well, what are we actually getting out of this as a, as a franchise? So yeah, I think they're on the right path now that uh, they make that move. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely definitely on right there with you know the young players. I think in the beginning of the season they tried to sell the fans on the idea that you know oh we're going to be a competitive team. You know they didn't <laughs> they didn't really talk playoffs, but they they made it seem like that was the goal early on. Now it's clear. Okay, you know let's develop the young guys, and I think for the most part people are okay with that. But uh, for a while there it was it was uh, it was pretty wild dealing with uh, you know the Fizdale rumors everything. It was like seemed like they were never going to win again and now you know all of a sudden they're you know they're on a semi little streak here so it's just funny how that works um but yeah no like you said the Knicks beat Milwaukee in OT at home last year which was you know their best win of the year and then right after that they basically nosedived the rest of the season so you never you never know in the NBA uh but any any final thoughts from you Kane uh and also uh, plug anywhere. I know you're doing Locked On Bucks podcast right now, but uh, are you writing anywhere right now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm still doing the podcast, which um, uh, is is a Monday to Friday pod uh, there on the on the Bucks. Which you know, I don't know how many Knicks fans are going to be tuning into that one, but maybe for the maybe before the Knicks games they will. But uh, writing, I'm doing some stuff for for ESPN uh, Australia over here, and then also NBA.com, the Australian uh, version of that. So. Yeah, getting a little bit of stuff out there. It is mostly the the podcasting stuff, but uh, no, I always uh, unfortunately I won't be at that uh, Knicks game this year. But that was fun. I always I it's it is still right up there like my favorite places to go watch a game because even that game, even if the Knicks aren't playing well, if it's if it's close, the crowd is just really fun. And that was that was a fun night, even though uh, from the Bucks' perspective, they probably thought that that was a game they should have won. It's it's fun to be at an overtime game at the at the Garden. Yeah, that's what I I always say that these fans, you know, Knicks fans just really deserve a winner because they could be, <laughs> you know, they could be four and you know whatever in January, and if it's a close game, they're going nuts. You know, they they just they don't else. So um, yeah, no, it's you know get get you caught up on some more Buck stuff, uh, but definitely check out Kane on Twitter. Uh, one of the best Bucks guys and really will keep you up to date with uh, one of the best teams and one of the best players, Giannis. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking out Kane's stuff. Thanks again, Kane. Yeah, anytime, man. It's good to catch up.